Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Cosmopolitan's All The Way With. I'm Laura Capon. And I'm Paisley Gilmore. And this week we're joined by Nicole, a former pastor who left the church to become a stripper. I am... I know I say this all the time, but I am <laughs> incredibly excited for this one. Yeah, Nicole's super cool. I know already. I've already decided. I feel like all pastors are super cool, but we'll get to that. Well, maybe may, we maybe will. not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to generalise. So, I wondered if I could use our intro today as maybe an appeal. Would we call it an appeal? I mm-hmm. am looking for a pen pal. I want someone, ideally a male, to message throughout the next lockdown. So not to write letters to? I did think about that, but that's probably quite difficult with COVID, etc. I don't know, ink. Yeah. So I think just like <laughs> WhatsApp. Also, I, I then have to give my address. I have thought about this quite a bit. Okay, so it's a thumb pal as opposed to a pen pal. I feel like I've spoken to my friends a lot during this year and I've got nothing left to say to them. Like the other day I was on the phone and I was just like, should we just go? Like I had nothing to say and because they know everything about me. You know, it's like when you meet someone new and you can be like, oh, mm-hmm. like like my favourite film is A Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I'm so, like, And they're like, oh my God, your favourite <laughs> film is A Wizard of Oz? <laughs> It's a terrible example. Like, oh, wow. or they'll be like, oh my god, you completed Zelda. I'd be like, yeah, I completed Zelda. You know, I need someone that doesn't know me to learn these things afresh, and me I to learn about mean. them. Yeah, because you've exhausted all other avenues of conversation with people you already know. Yeah, because when okay, you're kind of in your date, like, do you know what I mean? You're dating. Like, do you feel like mm-hmm. you can have different conversations with yeah. the person you're dating? Yeah, and because you're learning about each other and, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I want to learn about someone and I want someone to learn about me. So That's if you think so... you're that person, write in. <laughs> but also, I wanted to maybe... So on, on this new agenda that I'm on, I mm. decided that I'm going to message 10 people every day on the app, right? Okay, okay. No one's replied to me, right? So I think I'm going wrong somewhere. If I read you out some of my opening lines, will you kind of tell me what you think is happening? Absolutely. Okay. Be And be brutally honest with me. So we have Louis first, who 
what I thought was a real potential. So I said, do you know what? It's rare you come on here and find someone who seems like a really lovely person, but you just might be the Tinder unicorn. <laughs> First of all, you know you a unicorn. <laughs> Oh, no, I was what? just going to say, I think it's a really nice message and it shows your personality. But, you know, a unicorn in dating terms is the person who has sex with a couple in a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. But I'm sure I'm sure Louis isn't thinking. Louis's not thinking like that. Well, he obviously is because he didn't reply. No, he's not at all. <sighs> um, OK, I think that is so great because you're saying something it's a compliment and you're showing your personality. My one criticism would be, and this is based on what dating experts have told me, you haven't asked him a question, so it's not like engaging him. He, he doesn't feel, he might not feel like, what's he gonna say? Oh. Thank you so much. Like, I don't know, sometimes a question makes it easier for someone to reply, but also- I think now you've said that. <laughs> are none I of them all, questions? <laughs> no, they're all just statements. Let's hear, them, Mike, let's hear your statements. <laughs> to Mike, I said, I love a man wielding an axe in a non-aggressive manner. <laughs> I mean, you have to see the picture, but he was uh, smiling, holding an axe. But now I see that's not that's not a question. But oh, that is this, really funny. Also, like some people, there's just nothing in their bio. So I put, Carl, you're not giving me much to work with, but you seem very smiley. <laughs> I, that's quite bad. I, know. I, know. I love that one. Um, I love that one. Oh, Carl, you're this, stupid. This fancy. is a question. Thomas, without an H. I didn't write that. Um, he just doesn't. <laughs> Can you actually surf? Because if so, that is impressive. That was a okay, question, that's great. No? Yeah. But he didn't reply. What about I'm this wondering. one? Okay, go. Hey, Scott, you have the coolest eyes. Why are they so cool? Oh, do you know what? This is bad. This is to Dave, and you can see that I was like recycling my lines. Dave, you're not giving, <laughs> not giving, <laughs> you're me... giving me much to work with. To Dave. work with. So I like your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just left on scene for all of them. <laughs> um, okay, so you can see that they've read them. Yeah. By the way, I'm so it's absolutely obviously something. Up. It's obviously something. There's nothing wrong with you. I think it's a weird time, Elsie. Bear in mind, you sent these out over the weekend. It's just been announced there's going to be another lockdown for four weeks. People are probably kind of like, eh, what's the point in replying? I can't meet up with her. Yeah, don't but, you think that could be the reason? But don't they want a pen pal as well? I don't. I don't know. I don't think men ever want pen pals, they just want sex, don't they? Well, that's what some people say. Um, also, some apps are maybe more suited to hookups than others towards relationships, and maybe you should be putting yeah, yourself you, on the relationshipy ones. Do you know about any new apps apart from Hinge? Which no. isn't new. <laughs> okay, great. I feel like Hinge but is the best one for that. The other thing I might do is write to a prisoner, but if I do that, I'll tell you. Right. Is that for a romantic connection or? No, I've just seen it on TikTok and they seem like just really funny. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, that's a TikTok trend, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'd obviously want well, someone you... that hadn't done anything really bad. <laughs> no murders. Obviously. Oh no, just like. Vic victimless crimes only. Yeah, yeah, petty theft. 
<laughs> Got it. Um, You're like moving on. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't think you should stop. I think you should carry on. I think messaging 10 people a day is really good and it's it's them. It's not you. You're really funny. So, awesome. but then, but you know me. So maybe like reading it, do I just come across like, oh, she's a bit weird. So maybe no. I need to do what you said, the questions. Yeah. But also don't change who you are. Well, I'm getting to the point where... I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Might have to a little bit. <laughs> Maybe just less compliments on their shorts. The thing is, I didn't even really like his shorts. What they were just denim shorts? cutoffs. They oh, weren't like anything hot. special. Oh yeah, I mean, you, very you. Maybe he thought you were mocking him because you literally said, "You're not giving me anything to work with. I like your shorts." I mean, me- I've heard men don't like to be uh, <laughs> mocked. But, um... <laughs> that's the thing maybe when you say it in that voice that sounds completely different because i meant it in like (laughs) oh you're not giving me much to work with like your shorts oh yeah like your shorts (laughs) yeah maybe more exclamation marks maybe just follow up message three exclamation marks (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you're helping or sabotaging me at this point i'm on your side i think keep on trucking Okay, maybe Nicole can help me with some prayer. Oh, yeah, yeah, she could put a word in for you. Great. With, well, with although she's not, okay. she's, not a, she's not a pastor anymore, is she? Well, we'll find <laughs> out. We'll still find be religious. Out. Let's ask. Yeah, okay. Today we're joined by Nicole Mitchell, who used to be a church pastor, but left three years ago after realising she was queer, and she now makes a living through OnlyFans. Hi, Nicole. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, we're thrilled to have you here. I'm really <laughs> excited to hear your story. I think it's so interesting. I appreciate that. You've had a lot of interest in your uh, life story, haven't you, Nicole? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was surprised by how many people were fascinated by it, but I'm I'm so grateful for that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know your story, you kind of, I guess we'll start from the beginning. You grew up in a religious Baptist family, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So what was that like? What was your kind of upbringing like? Yeah, I had a beautiful family, um, parents who loved me and raised me the best way they knew how. And I did everything I could to fit the mold that was kind of expected me in that culture I was raised in. And so I tried to be that good little girl who was obedient and didn't ruffle feathers and didn't cause too many problems. Um, But the older I got, just the more of my independence and my fire, my passion was coming through and realized that maybe who I thought I was, wasn't actually the truest version of me. So were your parents quite um, sort of strict in terms of like going out and what kind of job you would have or how was that like, how did you know what was expected of you? Did they kind of specifically tell you? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of both. It was a mixture of being taught, and some of it was just caught, meaning it was just the messaging that I absorbed by attending mm. the churches I went to, the the families we hung out with. And I also grew up in a family with three brothers and no sisters. So I also saw the different treatment between my gender and their gender. And the way I was treated and raised, I had a lot more rules and um a stricter childhood than my brothers had. And it was something I envied for many years and for many years wished I had been born a boy because I, I envied the freedom of my brothers. So that also led to some internal conflict about 
why is it that I'm a woman and more controlled or have more roles than my brothers and naturally wanted to buck that system. Did you ever question that with your parents? Like, this seems unfair compared to how my brothers are. I know that's easy for me to say, like, would I question my parents when I was a child? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was so long ago. I'm sure, you know, there are your classic child-parent fights, so I'm sure it came up again and again and again. Um, but there was also not much I could do. And so I, I think I would bring it up and fight about it, but also kind of surrender to it, knowing apparently this is just how it is. And now that I have children, I have two little girls and a boy, I'm hyper aware of the double standards our society puts on women or on girls versus boys. And I do my best to level that playing field inside my home. And I have a lot of empathy and compassion for my parents because it is a lot harder than it it should be. Yeah. Yeah. What was kind of expected of you as as a girl growing up in that family then? Would it be that, you know, you'd be quiet and polite or like... Yeah, what was expected of you? Yeah, I think I grew up in a pretty boisterous family. So my personality and energy was always loved and allowed, which I'm so grateful for. It was more of like the external modification, meaning there were a lot of rules around my clothing. And a lot of that came from the private Christian schools I was at, like no tank, no no spaghetti straps, no skirts above the knee, um, nothing that could be too pro- considered provocative, which was took very little to be considered provocative in that environment. Um, no, like, kind of dancing. Um, no dating boys until I was older. And so who I was as a person and a personality was allowed, but then the way I could express that was limited. And I guess you did live like that because you became a church pastor. We were laughing how we don't... You, now I've said it, Paisley, pastor. it sounds like pastor. <laughs> In our accent, it sounds like what we eat, but a church pastor. So how and why did you decide to go down that route? Yeah, this is kind of, this. my story reflects my personality. I'm an all-in kind of person. I don't do anything halfway. If I commit, I get my 100% in. <laughs> so when I try to follow this path of being a good girl, I fit within the mold. Um, I tried to fit within the mold within my church. And even with my upbringing, women were not allowed to be pastors, church pastors. So for me to even want to become that in my late 20s was a really difficult thing for my family and for my community that I had been raised in because I'd always been taught only men are allowed to be leaders, women are not. So even that was considered, um, I don't know what's the best word, rebellious, inappropriate, unbiblical. And I did it anyway, because I just knew I was a leader. I love to teach. I love to speak. I love to invest in a community. And so me becoming a pastor, while yes, it looked like I was being a good girl, and I was in many ways, it was also an act of liberation of saying, I, as a woman, am allowed to lead. I have something of benefit to say. And I was ecstatic to finally have a place where I could channel my leadership, yeah. energy, passion, and calling. So did you really have to fight to get that position then? Was it Were you like one of the first women to do it in your church? At this time, I had been attending, it was my very first church in my entire life where there were female leaders. And so they kind of already had a path for women to join the leadership team. So that was really exciting to me and the first time I had experienced that. Within the path and process for me to become part of the leadership team, the pastoral team, 
was a lot more complicated and difficult than it appeared to be. And it's part of why I eventually ended up leaving this church years later is because they, just like society, there are double standards for men versus women. And the process for a woman to get on the leadership team was a lot harder, complicated than for men. And it reached a point where it wasn't worth it anymore because I felt like in the process I was demoralized and belittled and put down. And that to me goes against the message of the church and just for my own mental and emotional well-being, I had to walk away. Wow. So how long were you doing it before you left? I was part of this church for seven years and I was on their leadership track and their pastoral team for uh, three or four years. Oh, wow. It was a big part yeah, of your life. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my entire life revolved around the church and the community. My friends were there. My kids' friends were all there. It was a huge part of my life. And you mentioned your um, children, Nicole. So um, you were married. So you met. Um, was he a lovely man? I'm, just, I'm just saying you met a lovely yes, man. I have he no was idea. A good man. No, you're absolutely right. Like we met in South Korea. Actually, we were both teachers over there, and he's just a beautiful human. And we're now divorced, but it's amicable and we're on good terms. And I give him a lot of credit for why I am where I am today, because when we met, I was really conservative and he was pretty open-minded. And I always jokingly called him my gateway drug (laughs) to all things liberal, because he just would like, like help me question what I was taught to believe and never pressured me to try to be anything other than I wanted to be. And we had so many conversations and we read so many books and he always supported me in my endeavors. And I am so grateful for him and for his support and me becoming who I am today. So when you married him, I assume you identified as straight and was your queerness something you started to explore later or? Yes, I was a straight Christian good girl. And now I'm a queer Ex, ex-Christian or we, my friend and I jokingly call ourselves sex-vangelicals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're very sex-positive and love sex. Um, and yes, I married him thinking I was straight and I found like the love of my life. And then it was six or seven years into our marriage that I realized I'm not straight. I'm not gay, but I'm definitely not straight. Um, I identify as pansexual, so I'm attracted to all kinds of humans and whatever body is fantastic. Um, And so that kind of blew my world apart because as a kid, I was taught in the church that being queer or gay was wrong. And now, and I never fully ascribed to that belief because I've always just been a people lover. And I always found my queer friends were always more loving and amazing than my own Christian friends. And so when I realized I was queer, it kind of messed with this paradigm I had been taught as a child. And what did that mean for my marriage? What did that mean for me as a mother? What did that mean for me as my, for my future? And it was a really scary but also exhilarating time because I felt like I was finally coming home to myself. How did you come to realize then that you weren't straight? Like, was there something that triggered it or? Yeah, great question. Um, It was a few different things Uh, leading up to this moment. I realized my queerness in 2016. I remember watching Grey's Anatomy, a popular medical TV show (laughs) here in the U.S. Queer Awakening (laughs) show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that so much. Um, And one of the main characters who's bisexual made some comment like, 
I don't fall in love with genders. I fall in, I fall in love with souls. And I was like, Ooh, something there resonated with me. And then once theology course and this was back when I was trying when I thought I was being a good ally and I was just a closeted cute little queer that didn't know (laughs) it and we had to introduce ourselves based on our orientation or gender and I remember one person introducing themselves and their orientation by saying I fall in love with all kinds of beautiful humans and I was like wow I love that like so my gender just doesn't have anything to do with it for me like um and then I was on the board of directors of of an amazing queer theater company in Minnesota called Uprising Theater. And so I was going to all these queer plays, which was obviously mostly queer people attended those. And every time I would find myself magnetically attracted to queer people in the room. And I'm like, I just love humans. They're just so cute and attractive. Like I'm straight. (laughs) But one of those nights, it's just like the coin went in the slot. I'm like, oh, this isn't like cute. I love people kind of attraction. This is like I am magnetically attracted and would want to be with some of these people in this room if I could. And it's just like, oh, snap. (laughs) And it, like, brought back all these memories from my entire life. The signs were always there. Like, one of my big ones is in eighth grade, a new band came out called Hanson, and I thought they were the hottest three sisters (laughs) I had ever seen. And then I found out they were brothers, and I thought they were the hottest brothers I had ever seen. Like, their gender did not matter. I was equally attracted to them. And I remember thinking in eighth grade, do straight girls think like this? So the signs were always there, but it took until um, my 30s for me to realize. Was that scary? Because obviously you come to that realization and Was it kind of, did you think that you just couldn't be with your husband anymore? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Great question. It was scary in in many different ways. There was a brief moment when I realized my queerness and I thought, just take it to the grave, Nicole. No one needs to know. You look straight. You pass straight. Your life is good enough. Just take it to the grave. And yet I am way too authentic of a soul to keep something that's so powerful to myself. And so I didn't know it would mean for my husband and I 
I actually knew that the one person who would love me and accept me and be okay with all this would be my husband because he's just that kind of human. I was afraid of losing family members over it, losing my friends over it, losing my church leadership position over it because my church was not affirm is not affirming of queer people. It was going to cost me so much if I chose to own this part of my identity. And it took me about a year uh, before I was ready to own it and own it publicly. But at that time, I had no intention of my husband and I separating. I loved him dearly and thought we'd be fine forever. It's so sad to think when you said taking it to the grave, it's so sad to think how many people do that and never explore that part oh. of themselves. That kind of broke my it heart. It makes my heart so sad. Like, And I understand it. it. No one is ever required to come out. Like, There's so much safety and well-being wrapped up in like, Depends where you're working, mm. depends what kind of family you have, depends on the environment. Like, it is such a personal decision. But it, it does break my heart because it means we live in a world that means it's not actually fully safe for humans yet. And that breaks my heart. And seeing my level of happiness and fulfillment and freedom since owning my queerness and coming out with it has been worth it for me. And I wish for every queer person to be able to experience that. And knowing that not everyone can because they could literally be killed for it um, in some places of the world is truly heartbreaking. Yeah. You say you came out publicly. How did your church and your family respond to that? Yeah, at this point, so I left my church in 2017 that summer, and it was that fall in October that I came out publicly. So I didn't really get to see or know my church's response because I had left by then. But by my close friends from my church, it was a mixture of responses. Uh, some of them were like super happy for me. Some were confused. Some were really put off by it and kind of began to distance themselves from me. Um, it was really hard for my family just because of the church environment we all had been raised in where that was wrong and not okay. And so I'm really proud of my family for still choosing to love me despite what they've been taught about it. Um, but it's not been an easy road. I've lost a lot of dear, important, special people in my life in the process. And don't wish that upon anyone, but also not willing to not be my true self. Mm. I, I just can't do that. You referred to yourself earlier as an ex-Christian. So does that mean that you're, you kind of readdressed your faith with all of this? Yeah, it was... It, yeah, I... Don't identify as Christian anymore, but when you're raised in that culture, at least the way I was, I mean, I was just indoctrinated and saturated and my entire world wrapped around it. So even though I left the faith, I don't think the faith will ever leave me. Like a lot of the analogies I find myself using by default are religious analogies. Like my friends and I will joke like, so much for not being Christian, Nicole, because you're referring to old scripture <laughs> or old Bible stories. Like it's so <laughs> ingrained in me. Um but I actually give credit for me walking away from my faith to my seminary. I went to seminary, did the process to like, you know, become a, a pastor and a leader. And it was a very liberal seminary where all it was interfaith. So there were Buddhist, Muslim, Baha'i, atheist, Jewish, um, Christian, all in these classes together. And I remember we'd be assigned a, a certain passage of scripture and then we all had to interpret it according to our faith tradition and present it to class. And I remember being in class listening to the Muslim interpretation, the black interpretation, the queer interpretation, the Jewish interpretation. And 
I, I look at all my classmates and I thought every single person's interpretation is better than the one that was passed down to me in my faith. And I felt duped. I felt like of all the faiths that could have been passed down to me, all, all the ones I could be a part of, I happened to be part of the most whitewashed, male-centric, heteronormative version of the faith out of all of these. And I don't fit in that. I'm queer. I'm a woman. I'm biracial. I don't fit that mold. And so it was through my two years in seminary and many conversations that I realized this mold that was passed on to me was never meant for me. And I no longer desire to try to fit into that mold and found walking away was the most authentic thing I could do for myself. Are your family, Nicole, still um, like, I say, I was going to say big into the church, but that's not the way. Are they still um, like active in the church? Yeah. Uh, as in like my parents and siblings? Yeah. Yes. They're all um, active and involved. Mm-hmm. And what about your children? They it's different. It's a little different for me when, cause my husband and I, or my husband are now divorced, my ex and I. <clears throat> so we raise our kids a little differently. So I don't take my children to church and we have lots of conversations around it. Um, but when my ex does go, he uh, extends the offer to them. And so sometimes they've gone with him like before COVID they were going with him. Um, since COVID only my youngest little boy, he's five, um, has gone with him. So that's an, been an interesting dynamic is co-parenting with someone who has different beliefs in me and, and the ways that influences my mm, children. Yeah. So you were a church pastor. Now, how would you describe your career? Because it, it's slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's really, it's actually kind of hard to categorize, which is why we came up with the title pastor to stripper, because it's kind of catchy <laughs> and kind of accurately depicts what I'm doing. But am I a sex worker? Am I a stripper? Am I a cam girl? I, am I just do, into self-expression? All the above, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I left the church, and now I make a living um, mostly through my OnlyFans work, which is where I post uncensored slash explicit content, videos and pictures of me with or without clothes. And I love it <laughs> so much. So how, <laughs> how did you come to start doing that? Was it something that you'd – was it a desire you'd had that you'd repressed in, in your kind of earlier years? Or Yes, great question. That's exactly what happened. Um, I've, I've always had this desire to express myself in more sensual ways, more sexual ways. And I remember being a little girl and my mom saying to me now and then, you're so sensual, Nicole – and while I didn't exactly know what that word meant as a kid, I, I, I felt it. Like I knew what it meant to my body because I was really into my body, really into self-expression. Um, I remember one of my favorite TV shows as a little girl. It was a family show. And one of the characters in the show, she wore um, thigh-high boots and a mini skirt. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want that. And then I learned that that was quote unquote bad, that no good girl should want to wear that. But I did. And really since middle school, I'd always wanted to be a stripper of some kind. And I thought you know, there was something wrong with me, or maybe it's just a fantasy until I became an adult and did the inner work to realize, I don't believe our desires are bad. I don't believe our desires are random. I believe our desires are meant for us. They're connected to our destiny. And so I began to dabble in it just through, um, I did a boudoir shoot and I remember being this boudoir shoot and like taking off my clothes and being in sexy lingerie. And I was like, I was meant to take my clothes off. <laughs> like, this just feels so amazing. I feel so incredibly sexy. I feel so comfortable doing this. And that dabble eventually has led now to a full-blown career where I get paid to do it. And I feel like I'm being who I was always meant to be. 
do you think part of it is because like you say how like those thigh high boots were like forbidden mm. do you think that also just made it e- that much more appealing to you as well it's yeah. like re- active rebellion yeah well both and it it of course it like fuels your desire for it but i also don't have, have a lot of fear around it like if i follow these desires i'm gonna like be destroyed i'm gonna i don't really bad things are gonna happen to me so where it even surprised me that it took until a year ago for me to finally be able to buy myself thigh high boots and i that was 35 i'm like wow that took like 30 years for me to finally be okay with buying thigh high boots because it's so ingrained in me that my desires and the things that I liked and sexy clothing was bad. Um, so yeah, it made me more curious about it, but it also made me more fearful because I thought it would make bad things happen to me. How do you navigate that and work through like, I guess you're kind of unlearning some things that you you've spent your whole life being taught about your queerness and your sexuality. How do you even go about unpicking that and accepting those parts of yourself I honestly feel like it's a lifelong journey because sometimes we don't even know what we believe until it crops up and you're like wait a second is that something I really believe or is that something that was passed down to me and reevaluating it and deciding if it's something I still want to believe or is it something I want to throw out the window and I think it comes down to the kind of people we surround ourselves with. So the more I began to surround myself with queer people, with badass women, with uh, models, just people living life on their terms and who also grew up not fitting the mold and who had to do the hard inner work of peeling off the layers that were put on them and having to choose their own path versus the one that they were told to take. It, It allows you to have really deep and thoughtful conversations And a lot of that conversation, I believe, leads to your own liberation because you're talking to people who think differently from you. So the people we surround ourselves with greatly influences our life. And so I'm really intentional about cultivating diverse relationships to make sure I'm not staying in a bubble where I might not be living my most authentic truth. Yeah, I love (laughs) that. Um, we've done an OnlyFans episode before. Personally, my theory is that we're all going to be on OnlyFans. <laughs> yes. Um, can you? Ta- <laughs> are you open to talking about how much money you can make from it? Because I've had like crazy kind of numbers from people, and yeah, so it works. People like subscribe to you, don't they? And then you can do like requests, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really varies um, from person to person. You can make no money with it, just like any industry, or you can make, I think, as much money as you want. Um, when I first started, I was making just barely any money, like 500 a month. But it was great I was because I would post these pictures and make these videos if no one was paying me. I just love expressing myself. I love creating. I love exploring. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to create this stuff anyway, I might as well give people the opportunity to, like, pay me, support me, join me if they want. Um, So I was making several hundred dollars a month, which was really fun, and I loved it. And then uh, when my story blew up, that's when my income blew up, and I had my first six-figure month in OnlyFans, which was amazing. Um, And now I'm uh, working with a fellow OnlyFans creator, and she has made $1.8 million this year. So (laughs) we're... infinite potential just like any industry but so much of it so much of our earning and this is my life coach coming out the life coach side of me so much of our income and earning is based on what we believe we're worthy of and what we feel safe in Mm. receiving so if you don't feel worthy of or you don't feel safe or you don't feel it's possible 
you're going to have a hard time making the, the kind of money you want to make. But the more worthy you feel, the more safe you feel, um, the more open you are to the way money can show up for you, you can make an infinite amount, no matter what industry you're in. So what would you charge for, um, do you call them custom video or request videos? Yeah, custom content. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what kind of like requests do you get and what would you kind of charge? I know it's going to really vary. Yeah, for me, it's at this point, it's been anywhere between $20 and $200 for photo, custom mm. photos, custom videos. Uh, the more explicit they are, the more I charge. And there's been all kinds of requests. I've, I just recently fulfilled someone's request to have um, pictures of dirty feet. So I got my feet all nice and dirty, had a blast taking a bunch of pictures for them. They were so happy with that. Um, I've been asked to take content of me peeing. Um, uh, and I've had con- or requests that I don't fulfill. And that's another reason why I love OnlyFans is you're never required to do anything you don't want to do. And my, my fans know that. They can ask me anything, and then I decide what I feel comfortable with. So I remember one fan asking me if I would cover my entire head in duct tape. Mm-hmm. and take pictures and I was so turned off by that and I just said hey thanks so much for asking and I don't feel comfortable doing that is there something else that you would like me to do and I'll let you know if I'm okay with that so I'm really respectful and kind because mm-hmm. I find it incredibly vulnerable of people to share their desires with me yeah. and I never want anyone to feel shame over it just because it doesn't get me off mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's bad if you get off on it like there's nothing wrong with that. So then they came back to me and asked if I would take pictures of me looking like I'm gagging on an apple, which is basically just putting an apple in my mouth and taking a bunch of fun, creative shots with it. And I loved it. I had so much fun and I think it's super hot and I've never done that before. <laughs> like who knew having an apple in your mouth could be so hot. Um, yeah. So I, I actually love that side of their desires because I still think there's so much sex shame around the world. And for you to know what you want and to ask for you want ask for what you want and to possibly receive what you want. That's a really, I think a really cool and healing thing. Do you think OnlyFans is helping with that? Because it is kind of quite getting more mainstream, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Like we all joke that when COVID happened, we were all becoming cam girls. Like we're all setting up OnlyFans. Like, well, if I can't go to work, I might as well just like take off my clothes here and (laughs) see what can happen. Like, I think I, I love that it's becoming normalized. I love that it's allowing People of all kinds, not just w- women, trans people, queer people, men, like to express the, their side and people to watch and receive what they want. It's such a win-win for so many people. And I'm so glad it's becoming more and more normal. Yeah. And do you feel like you can be open with your family about what you do? Or do you feel like there's still parts of yourself you have to hide? Yeah, I think there's always this deep desire to want to be accepted and Mm. I think just like a knee-jerk reaction to try to dim your light a little bit or fit the mold a little bit I just think we're so indoctrinated to do that especially as women especially as queer people especially as people of color um, to fit that mold so even as liberated and empowered and expressed that I am and it's all public I don't keep any of the work that I do quiet or private there are still moments I catch myself wanting to be a good girl. And something I've learned is that I can either be a good girl or a free woman. And I have to consciously, intentionally, purposefully choose to be a free woman every single day. I think that's like a beautiful um, thing to end on. But would you say it's worth making that choice? You, you, you're glad that you've 
Yes. Oh my gosh. A thousand percent. And I will, I will never dim the difficulty of it because it's very easy to romanticize. Like, oh, she just chose to do this one day and to honor her truth. Lucky her. Good for her. Like it, it trivializes like the loss that is experienced on this path. And so I, it it is so worth it. I am so happy. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm the wealthiest I've ever been. And to me, that reflects alignment. When everything in your life is flourishing, you are living in, in congruent with your truth. And there's no inherent duplicitous energy or inner conflict. So I'm the happiest, healthiest, wealthiest I've ever been. And I still grieve the people I've lost along the way even though the humans I now have in my life are the most incredible friends and community I've ever had. I think we always mourn parts of our lives that were once really good, even if our life has gotten better. Oh, Nicole, you're so wise. (laughs) You're so wise. Um, If people want to find you, find your OnlyFans, uh, find you on the internet, how do they do that? Yes, please come hang out. Yeah, I love meeting new beautiful souls. Um, I'm on basically all the social medias. So if you go to Instagram, I'm Mitchell Nicole. Um, If you go to Facebook, I'm Nicole S. Mitchell. I have a website, NicoleMitchell.com. Nicole is both the K, N-I-K-O-L-E. Mitchell's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. And yes, come to my OnlyFans. I have all kinds of humans, men, women, straight, queer. People are into it. People are just watching me bloom and blossom in front of them. And that's OnlyFans.com slash Nicole Mitchell. Um, But come say hey. I love meeting new people. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so, so, so grateful for you too. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Oh, thank you. Bye. Bye. So, Paisley, are you going to get yourself some pink ladies and set up an (laughs) OnlyFans? I only eat pink ladies. You're right. (laughs) I'm going to gag on my pink ladies. That sounds really weird. Um, Yeah, that sounds wrong. I just absolutely loved her. I think, like... Very often with stories like that, you foc- people tend to focus on like, oh, my life's so much better now. But the way that she kind of talks about that she has had loss and she has had to deal with grief of losing her old life. And like, it's not all, you know, apples and only fans. Like, it's hard to do that. Mm. Yeah, I loved her, um, what she said at the mm. end, where she still like mourns people and aspects yeah. of her old life. Um but that doesn't mean she doesn't love her life now. I think that's so... She's just so wise, isn't she? And I just think... I think it's hard because I haven't had a religious mm. upbringing. But I can imagine if that has been like ingrained in you, that is something... It, it must be so hard because you must just feel conflicted. Definitely. I have friends who were raised in religious households and they, like, they still struggle now as adults. And it's like so easy for non-religious people like us to be like, oh, you just leave, leave the church, you know, whatever. But it's like, no, that's every, that's your safety net. It's everything you've known. Like, I think yeah. she proved it's not that simple. But yeah, also shown that she is happy now. And I love that her and her husband are on good terms. And also, I, I think her children, they'll be very mm. balanced in a way because they're getting both um, both Definitely. views. It kind of sounds like they'll be left to make up their own minds. They'll have all sides of the argument presented to them and that will be their decision. And that's like, what's not cool about that? <laughs> Honestly, though, six figures on OnlyFans. I'll see. We need to fart on pizzas. We... <laughs> We need to get on with it, mate. We ain't getting any younger. 
<laughs> I know. Maybe we could do a joint. Uh, I, d- I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Okay, this brings us to the end of this episode of Cosmopolitans All the Way With. Thanks to Nicole for joining us and to you for listening. If you have any sex questions or dating dilemmas, message us on Twitter or Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK. Cosmopolitans All the Way With was recorded by Number 8 Studios remotely and is available to download on all the usual podcast apps. 